Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 141, and it is titled Dealing with the Pain of a Sexless Relationship. So we've talked in the past about like how to fix a sexless marriage. We did an episode on that where we kind of gave people, you know, the causes of it and things they could do to fix it. But today we're actually going to talk with somebody who personally experienced this and actually coaches people through this. So you're going to get to hear really somebody's real life experience about what they went through in this particular journey. And I think that could be really valuable for the audience. And you have to keep in mind, too, our last episode, I believe, was how to fix a sexless marriage. But you don't have to be married in order to have a relationship that lacks sex or even lacks the appropriate amount of sex, right? So, you know, if, you, if you're in a relationship right now, and you're going, well, we're not really married. This is, will still apply to you. Or if you're like, well... It's not sexless. We still have sex once a month or, you know, that's probably not enough. Now, of course, that depends on your relationship. But the point I'm trying to make here is that I'm pretty sure, and we don't know yet because we haven't gotten into the conversation, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure that pretty much anybody that is not in a relationship where they feel totally fulfilled is going to get some value out of this conversation. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll get into some of the uh, emotions around the shame, the pain and all of this to just kind of like give you a message of hope also that you're not alone and that there's a way out. So make sure you listen all the way to the end. Before we get started, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the Secret Club of Men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at Power and mastery.com. So I'm going to read our today's guest bio, and then we're going to bring her in the show. So as a sex and intimacy coach, Irene Fur, MA in CPCC, I don't know really what it means, but she will tell us, has helped hundreds of committed couples to add sex and passion into sexless relationships and fall in love again with each other. She's no stranger to her clients' complaints, having had to face the all-too-common story of happy marriage turned sexless when she lost her libido. You can read Irene's perspectives on sex, sexual desires in long-term relationships, and women's libido in HuffPost, Cosmopolitan, Refinery29, and Scary Mommy. She is everywhere, and she is now on the Love Lab podcast. So welcome, Irene. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) It's our pleasure. All right. So obviously, the audience heard from your bio that you help people with this specific issue. So we know that you're going to have lots of great tips and things like that for the listeners. However, the bio also clearly stated that you've personally gone through this. And that's really what we want to get at. So we're going to use your personal story to help bring out those tips for our audience. 
So I know when we were talking prior to the show, you told us that you got married somewhat young and you started having issues in the bedroom. By the way, that's important to know that she was young because sometimes people are like, oh, it's the normal thing when you get older, but it can happen at any time. So why don't you tell our audience more about your story about that? Yes, my story is in a way very typical, which is what's something that I learned years after I lived through my own story. But I lived through what so many couples go through, which is a relationship starting off passionately. You are into each other. You fall in love. You um, There is passionate sex in the beginning. And we were young, but we we're not that young. We were uh, 20, 25, 26. Um, but... Uh, but again, the beginning of the story was just like everyone else's beginning of the relationship. Things were so easy and we were having sex a lot and it was wonderful. And again, we were having this, this uh, connection with each other where we couldn't keep our hands off. We couldn't get our clothes off fast enough. <laughs> that happens with pretty much all couples. And I work with couples from all around the world and this is true everywhere, right? But, um, but I thought it was, at the moment, unique. I thought, wow, this is so special. And as our relationship grew over time, our sex started to deepen, too. From In the beginning, it was what I call friction sex. It's just kind of that, that, that physical, raw passion for each other. But then we started to fall in love, and love started to um, come into the picture. So sex started to be a lot more connected and a lot more about expression of love and affection and fondness for each other and desire. And what also started to happen as the relationship started to deepen is we took on more responsibilities. We moved in with each other. We, um, you know, we started to pay rent together. We started to do things together. We started to acquire things together. We got a dog. We got chickens. <laughs> we, had a, we were living up in the mountains um, in California. And with responsibilities, what also started to happen is more regular disconnect, more, more arguments, more disappointments, more resentments. And I had no idea that was happening or let me say it differently, I had no idea that that had a huge effect on me. But looking back, that had a huge effect on me and my connection with um, my soon-to-be husband at the time. And what I was actually seeing physically was I started to lose lubrication. So I couldn't generate my own lubrication. And at that time, I went to the doctor and I was told, well, that's normal. That's okay. Just go buy lube. And continue going. And so no one really questioned, you know, why this is happening or that it may be actually affecting me more than just physically. But I listened to that advice. I was relatively young and continued having sex. But I had no idea that lubrication is just one of various things that happens to a woman's body in terms of arousal. It's one of the first uh, to, to come and one of the first to go, but then there's a slew of other things that has to happen. And while I was using lube, I also started to develop pain during penetration because I wasn't really aroused. But again, I had no idea how to speak about it and what, what was going on. And I was getting mixed, um, mixed messages from doctors 
telling me like, oh, well, that's normal. It's normal for women to have pain. Yeah. So I want to, I want to stop you there for just a minute because there's a couple of things. The first thing that I really wanted to sort of reiterate was a point you brought up in the beginning, which is that the beginning of your relationship started off very passionate. You couldn't get your clothes off fast enough. And so what I really want the audience to take away from that is that just because things start out that way, you can't get complacent, right? You can't go, oh, well, it's all good for us. We, we're, I mean, look, we love each other. Like, we can't even wait to get each other's clothes off. Like, you, it's not so much an indicator of what's going to happen later on down the line. So that's the first thing. And the second piece that I, I really wanted to go a little deeper in, and I think you were about to go there also, was this piece about how you felt yourself that something was going on. So you noticed that you weren't lubricating, that you were starting to have some pain, that something was different. And you went out and you sought help for it. And you went and you, you, you spoke to doctors and they're just like, nah, everything's good. Good to lube. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, you know, there's, there's two valuable points in that. Uh, well, I guess maybe even three. One is, it's great that you went out and sought help. That's amazing. Rather than just sitting there in your pain and misery and not doing anything about it. Two, don't necessarily take one opinion or two or even two opinions or maybe even three opinions if you don't feel like they resonate with you. And that brings me to the third point, which is you have to learn to trust your intuition about what's happening. You know better than any doctor or any professional what you're feeling and what's going on in your body. So I'm wondering if you can... Yeah, just tell us a little bit more about like, what were all these people you were seeing telling you and how did that resonate with you? You know, you, you point out really important pieces about trusting your body. And I wasn't very experienced in my own body. I was again, relatively young, but also just wasn't experienced in my own body. I didn't grow up talking about my body or about sex. And so from one perspective, when I went to the doctors, I believed them. You know, I was looking for medical advice and I thought that there was something medically wrong with me. And I thought that medical professionals would be the ones to let me know. But they were saying that there's nothing medically wrong with me. But what was really damaging is hearing some of the rationalization for pain. I heard many times from men and women doctors, pain for women during sex is normal. It's expected. It's okay. And I heard, you know, later when I lost my libido completely, that losing your libido in a long-term relationship in a marriage is completely normal. It's to be expected. And that was incredibly heartbreaking because there was a tiny little voice inside of me that was saying, hey, this is not how it's supposed to be. I had never experienced anything better than that. But there was a knowing inside. It's like, this is not how it's supposed to be. There has to be more than this. I, I, I need to figure out a way to do that. But again, a big part of me believed the, the myths that these people were telling me, the doctors, and I believed the physical, um, the physical messages. But they were incredibly confusing because all these voices were just all mixed in my head. And you know, to what you were saying, Kevin, earlier, trusting yourself is really important. You, you may not know exactly what is happening inside of you, but believing yourself in that voice is really important. It's going to get you to take the next step and the next step and the next step to find out what's actually happening. You know, I, 
I want to bring into uh, something personal where I too was in my late 20s, maybe early 30s in a relationship where I was having issues with lubrication. And so using coconut oil or whatever lube fixed it, I didn't have to experience pain. But I was definitely having a change in, well, lubrication number one, but also in the discharge. And I went to the gynecologist and like, there's nothing wrong. There's no yeast, nothing, you know, but, but I was like, this is not the way that my vagina usually is, you know, and I'm like, there's something different. And it's only like much later, once I was out of this relationship and experienced something different, that I realized and understood the messages that my body was trying to tell me. And this is why I'm sharing that. And I know I've already spoken about this on the show uh, at some point, but I'm bringing this up again, because it's difficult when you're in it to know that it's happening. But if you notice that something is different and it's not working the way this, that it was before, like, don't believe that it's normal. It's normal because people say it is, uh, but it doesn't make it normal per se. Like, is it like our society is sick? So should we like really like look at this sick society and want to become that? No. So ultimately it's about like really knowing yourself. And, and I love that piece that really it's true that it is difficult when you're in the moment to understand it. But these are messages. I think our bodies are talking to us. And I also think that as women, it's, it's difficult because we are taught from a really early on age to accept being touched even when we don't want to. Um, we have gynecologist appointments that just shove their speculums like it's cold, it's hard, you're not ready. And by the way, there's a tip before if, if I ever have to go to a gynecologist appointment, I always like massage my breast and slightly masturbate just before they walk into the room. So I'm already turned down and dilated like open and they're always like, oh, you're so open. And I'm like, <laughs> If only you knew what I've been doing rather than like waiting and like, uh, I'm like, let's masturbate, let's get open up. And that made my gynecologist appointment so much better. But there's Pro all tip. these. Exactly. <laughs> masturbate in the gynecologist's office. <laughs> anyway, they're already going to see everything. So I'm like, whatever, right? But even just massaging your breasts, like touching your body, preparing and telling your body of like, hey, uh, we're about to like touch you and you need to be open. So going through the heart is very important, not even just like masturbating your clitoris. I think it has more to do with that opening and using our breasts for that. But anyway, it, I know it's a, it's a long little winded thing that I shared here, but I wanted to add my personal experience because I want everyone listening to know that they need to trust themselves and the signs that their bodies are giving them and that they are messages. And that lack of lubrication is a sign that you're not in alignment in your relationship. And, and the lube is not going to fix that. It's going to make things slippery, but the resentment or the dynamic that are not working are not going to be fixed with a good lube, <laughs> even if it's organic. <laughs> yeah, you, you used to say that, that you uh, weren't very wet, and now yes. we basically call you Juicy Lucy. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when we get together, so I'm Kevin, well, you know, I'm not super wet. You know, let's expect this. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And we're like five years plus in, and we have never had an issue. So when you are with the right person, it, it changes things too. Absolutely. And like you said, your body's constantly giving you information. It's giving you clues about what it needs. 
to be successful, to, to enjoy life, to give you satisfaction, to perform for you like at the full pleasure capacity rather than just kind of at a very basic level. And that's where it's important for us to do the, to, to reframe individually that we're not broken, that it's about, it, we need to um, understand our bodies and listen to them, but also as a society. Because there are so many societal messages out there. Uh, you know, loop, why is loop so important? Or excuse me, why is loop so popular out there? Well, because so many women struggle with this, but it's seen as, well, there's something wrong with it. She's missing loop. She's missing lubrication. We need, she needs to buy it. Whereas it's really, it's a sign that, like you said, there's something off in the relationship. There may be something wrong in your own boundaries or your own relationship to yourself. And as we're paying attention to it, we can change things like holistically, sustainably in a way that supports us, not just put a band-aid on it. Yeah. And I want to get into that a little bit more too, because the doctors were telling you, there's nothing wrong with you. You're perfectly fine you're feeling like something is wrong. But then you also mentioned at one point um, in our pre-interview that you were getting mixed messages. So what society was telling you was different than what the doctors were telling you. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about what kind of messages was society giving you and how was that affecting you and how was that fitting in with what the doctors were telling you? Well, one of the biggest societal messages that I grew up with is Still, even though um, I grew up with a generation of open of uh, open sexuality and, and feminism, is that a woman's job in a relationship is to please her man. And so for me, when I started losing lubrication and then later on when sex was so painful and I didn't w- want it or any kind of physical attention at all, I felt so ashamed that I wasn't able to be there for my husband, that I wasn't wasn't a good wife. I couldn't, I couldn't do my wifely duties, even though I wasn't thinking of that in those words, but along those lines, like I couldn't, I, I wasn't woman enough. I wasn't feminine enough. I wasn't, I wasn't satisfying him. Um, so that was certainly one of the most damaging and damaging things that, that, that stuck around for me for a long time where I lost a lot of confidence that I, I just, I couldn't be woman enough mm. for him. And uh, of course uh, the, the version of sex or sexuality that's out there is the version that we experience in the beginning of the relationship. It's passionate. It's fun. We're just so physical. We're like, like um, I was saying, you can't keep your hands off each other. You can't, you keep your clothes on and that's what sexuality in quotes should look like and that's what I was comparing myself always I should be like that but why am I not anymore what happened to me so again it fed this idea that I'm broken somehow that I should be like that and again I'm not and and I just had no words to even describe that but the criticisms were certainly in my head and again my my confidence just took a nosedive I felt so ashamed and wanted to shrink myself. And I saw that happening outside of my relationship, like at work. Mm. I, I, I didn't speak up. I didn't take on new projects. I just wanted to hide literally like in my cubicle and not being seen by anyone. 
So, so the doctors are telling you there's nothing wrong. Society's telling you you're completely broken and a bad wife. <laughs> this could, I could see how this could be really confusing for somebody, <laughs> right? So, so then the next obvious question, and you started to tell us a little bit about it, but is how did all of this affect your relationship? Well, you know, one of the things that was also happening with this confusion is that I had no words to talk about this. And also, we were not talking about this. Mm -hmm. And so all of this, I was handling on my own inside myself. And I felt incredibly ashamed, incredibly disconnected from my husband, like I said, wanting to hide. And what that did to the relationship is that I wasn't allowing him to see what was going on for me. I wasn't allowing myself to ask for help. And we were getting stuck in patterns of arguments and resentment and dissatisfaction over the mundane things in life. So we weren't really talking about the meaningful things and what was really going on. And we were, like I said, getting stuck in these, these stupid, absolutely stupid arguments. And the couples that I work with, they come and tell me the same thing. It's like, we don't even know why we're arguing, but we're just going at each other. Mm-hmm. And so we resorted to that. We, we lost the true connection that, and, and the love that brought us together. Were you guys able to find it back? Are you guys divorced or what happened with that? We ended up divorcing. We truly did not have the tools to understand what's happening. We, st- we did start couples therapy, but at the time, the couples therapy couldn't also verbalize what was happening. So this is the work that I do with couples today is that I can frame this in ways that they can see themselves in these scenarios. And then they're like, wow, that's us. That's also like hundreds of other couples that you worked with. Like, wow, we're not broken. We we're like, this is a predictable pattern. Really? Because that, that was one of the things that, that actually did happen. We didn't just question our love for each other. We decided that our love wasn't strong enough to, to keep us going. And what I do with couples today is to help them see that it's not the quality of their love or, or that they're with the right partner, but that they're missing the tools. But unfortunately, I didn't have that. We didn't have that. And so we got divorced and... Uh, also leading up to divorce. So the, the progression was lots of lubrication, painful sex to me, just withdrawing sexually altogether. And then there were a couple of years of not having any touch, not having certainly no sex, but also no touch, no, no physical connection and that constant distancing of each other. And for me, after the divorce, <laughs> I had some silly idea that, okay, well now, um, now everything is going to be fine. But I very quickly, once I started dating, realized that um, I still didn't have the tools to approach it differently. And so I ended up in several short relationships where I was so intimidated by sex and so in a way damaged by the loss of confidence that it, th- these relationships went sexless very quickly. And... I decided to figure this out. 
Oh, I love this. So this is amazing. Um, And I want to dive into the tools and what started to work and what didn't work and giving some little nuggets to our listeners. I'm really excited. Thank you so much, Irene, also just for sharing so openly about your story. And I hope that whoever is listening today is can see that you are not alone and you are not so unique. This is happening to many people. And again, it's all about having the right skills and tools tools and that there is a way out. Uh, But before we dive into more of the positive, let's give a little shout out to our sponsors today. And today we want to tell you about our program for couples. So if you are a committed couple who is stuck in a rut and just going through the daily motions instead of connecting the way you used to, you're tired of stale, mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and fun, and you don't want to live a life of average, then Kevin and I would like to invite you to join our highly sexed Power Couple Platinum program. So if you give us 90 days, we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. So you get a lot of tools in here. Um, you can find more about our program at celineremy.com forward slash passion. Again, it's CelineRemy.com forward slash passion. It's a great program. You should check it out. And you know what? You know, we're interviewing Irene here, and I know she does similar work. If you resonate with, with Irene, and we'll get to this at the end too, but check her out and go look up her because I'm sure she's got fantastic stuff, which we are going to dive into right now. <laughs> so from everything that you've learned, um, and we're going to look at two aspects from the women's perspective and also from how men can support their women, okay? So we'll start first with the women um, what would be your advice for women going through a similar experience? Well, my advice is, and this is a hard one because a lot of women don't learn about themselves until they go through the hardships that I went through. But if, um, if you happen to stumble on this information before you get into a new relationship, um, what's really important to understand is that what happens in the beginning of a relationship is false advertising. <laughs> it's uh, the way our libido looks and acts is in the beginning is not going to be sustainable long-term. And so don't judge yourself against that. That's a bad, bad benchmark to judge yourself against. And if you're in a relationship already and you're looking back and realizing that again, Forgive yourself for having gone through it because we all go through this. There's so many biological and uh, and uh, hormonal imperatives that are functioning in the beginning that make us hook up and have a baby and continue our species. And again, libido will look very different at that stage. But what's really important, and this is what I learned later on after my divorce and after I spent years understanding myself sexually, exploring, um, having different experiences and also teaching and then helping clients and learning through them about what works for different women is that women's sexuality in a long-term relationship beyond the first couple of months takes intentionality. It takes exquisite attention. It's not something that works after you've taken care of everyone else, done a thousand other things, you know, closed deals, sold companies, did all these things, and then you leave the last bits of energy for yourself 
and your partner in the end. Your, your sexuality is not going to thrive in that. We need to feed our, our engines. We need to give them fuel. We, our bodies need rest and time to, for pleasure and for filling ourselves up with the things that, that give us joy and, and make us come alive. That's something that we need to do for ourselves. And we need to carve out time with our partners, quality time. Again, not at the end of the day when you're both falling asleep, but quality time where your partner can give you exquisite attention, where you can cultivate connection and where your body can get the proper, really the proper attention and the proper maintenance. You know, I think of women's bodies, we're all Ferraris, but we get treated like little Ford Fiestas. <laughs> you know, um, we, we, we are high performance and high maintenance machines that need, like I said, exquisite attention and touch. You said and- it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> this is one of the, the, in a way, myths that are out there that... We should be like, we, we should be easygoing. We don't, we don't need much, but we do. If you want your body to perform like a Ferrari, we, ha- we need a lot of maintenance. And like I said, it's a lot about fueling your own tank with things that give you pleasure and, spa- and giving yourself space and, and rest and doing that with a partner. And this is one of the things that I teach my couples how to do is how to create that space, that infrastructure in the relationship that's going to support woman's libido. It's very easy for a man to get aroused. Just a, literally a couple of seconds and he's ready for... I don't know what you're work. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, and all women just are so jealous of that. We're so envious that you can do that. But our bodies need spaciousness and time and lack of pressure. Lack of pressure to have sex, lack of pressure to turn on, lack of uh, pressure to be something that we're not yet. We're like, you know, another way to think about our bodies is we're flower buds and we need to open up on our own time. You can't force a flower bud to open. You can pull its petals apart and that's not going to leave you a flower. It's going to leave you a pile of petals. Yeah. But uh, yeah, opening it up and this is one of the things that most couples don't intentionally work into their lives, but which are absolutely necessary for women's libido. Yeah, absolutely. So the key takeaway there is you have to make it a priority. And that's, that I see is the big problem is when you are new in the beginning of that relationship and those hormones are driving all your actions you are making it a priority because the hormones won't let you do anything but make it a priority. And then when those hormones wear off, you're just like, eh, you know, you don't make it a priority anymore. And that's one of the biggest keys. And, and you know, that's one of the things that we teach so often to couples is you, it's not a set it and forget it. It's not an autopilot. You have to make it a priority in your life every day. And I loved what you said. You don't do everything else and then wh- whatever fuel's left in the tank you use for the relationship. No, the relationship has to be one of those main things on the list. The other part that you brought up that I really liked too was making it also a priority for the self-care. 
that I think is really, really, I mean, it's, it's big for all of us, it's big for men too, but I think it's even more important for women, you know, whether they're Ferraris, whether they need more maintenance or not, you know, that's not really the, the point. The point is, I think for women, just having even a little bit of time to invest in self-care goes a long, long way. And I think also understanding our bodies and knowing ourselves, like having expectations, I do think actually that we can be turned on rather quickly as women if we know how we work. And so mm-hmm. we talk a lot about the constant state of arousal that you can work together as a couple to keep that going so you don't have so many dips and they have to like try to get it back higher again. But I, I'd have to, have to say that I... I feel like even even when they did studies, women get aroused as quickly as men in their head. When they hook you up to electrodes, it's just we don't get a boner on the outside. It's all happening inside. And somehow we don't always connect the dots the same. Um, but oftentimes our body, even like you'll be watching the porn, because that's usually how they do it through imageries and that's how they can see you, are actually having a response that's similar to the way men respond as women. But if you ask the woman, she'd be like, I'm not turned on. It's not happening. And I think if we start to understand, especially as we've been in a long-term relationship, that uh, then that's a big thing we always teach is that you don't have to be in the mood. You can create the mood and you don't have to just depend on like, I feel horny. I need to fuck. Actually, this is kind of, it's not so healthy. Once you know, it's like how many times we start lovemaking, I'm not like, I could take it or live it, but I do it because I love what it gives me and how I feel afterwards. I know the deeper reasons. And like 10 minutes in, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm so glad I did it. But 10 minutes ago, I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of times when you're like, I'm not even wet. I'm not even turned on. And then I'll be like, like, Mm, uh, yes, you are. <laughs> and then you're like, didn't even realize that, did you? <laughs> like, okay, okay, well, then we are. So, Irene, how can a man support his partner in such situation? And and I know we are assuming that in these scenarios, what we've been talking a lot is that the woman is the one who's experiencing a low libido and, um, and pain. But I also do want to point out that there are more and more men due to their stress level and life in general who are also in a place of themselves not feeling so interested in sex and just are part of the problem as well. Um, but I, I'm curious about your opinion on um, what a man can do to support his partner and if you have any message if any man finds himself being the one who's not interested in sex. Mm-hmm. So I will actually answer what partners can do for each other because this is very similar. Both Perfect. men supporting women and women supporting men. And the key piece is if the only time you're having sexual connection is when you're trying to have sex, you're going to get caught into in, in very, very, uh, very insidious patterns that are going to basically kill desire and make sex this, this area that's fraught with anxiety. And so the way to support each other is to create a safe, a space, a safe space where sex is off the table. You're just playing with each other sexually. You're making out, you're touching each other, you're kissing, you're, you're fondling, you're stroking, there, there may be oral, but it's, it's done out of pleasure and really pleasuring, doing it for your own pleasure, pleasuring your partner, but not trying to have sex. And this is 
really important when one or both partners are having a hard time with their libido and wanting sex. Because so much of the shutdown and libido happens because there's this pressure that I need to be sexual. Mm -hmm. It's It's true performance anxiety. I'm on the clock. I need to be sexual. My partner is expecting me to be hard or to be ready for penetration or to orgasm. And our bodies are smart enough to call bullshit on that and be like, this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not fun at all. And so uh, what's really important, like I said, is to set aside time where sex is off the table, where you're just lovers, we're just playing, you're reconnecting with each other, you're exploring. Uh, I love Tantra practices and other practices such as orgasmic meditation, where there is a focus on being there for each other and focusing on connection through sexual touch, but without trying to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And what removing sex off the table also does is that it removes the requirement for arousal. So you're not, again, trying to get aroused. You're not trying to get anywhere else than where you are. But that's what allows arousal to happen, to happen naturally, to build. And specifically with with a dynamic where there's a woman and a man, when a man is aroused, what's happening? Obviously, he's getting erect, but his testosterone is pumping when he is really sexually aroused. And when there is a discrepancy with a woman, meaning he's aroused and she's not so much, naturally a woman will will develop tension in her body because he feels threatening. An aroused man, an, an aroused man is threatening because his testosterone is pumping. And if she's not aroused, she will feel just at a very primitive level, much weaker and smaller than he is. Because generally women have 10 to 15 times less testosterone than men, like at a, at a kind of basic level. And so if, if he's aroused and he wants sex, that threatens her, again, more than she can probably even say, but it creates tension in her body and it will shut down her libido. And so, like I said, practices such as tantric practices and orgasmic meditation are designed such that they're done when a man is not aroused, when a man and a woman are at a generally equal level of arousal, and they together build their their arousal. And that allows a safe space for the woman to, like I said, the, the flower, like the flower to open up at its own rate without feeling threatened and without feeling on the clock, like she has to do something. And that's incredibly important. And that's that's the way partners can support each other. This is also true, for example, for men who can't get hard. And you have these physical sessions where you just explore touch and allow his erection to happen naturally, his arousal to like the flower open up and blossom at its own rate. And have his female partner support him that way. But we need that safe space where we're sexual, but there's no pressure to have sex, to truly build arousal, to feel safe with each other, and to to get the benefits of that high arousal state that you talked about that allows us to have natural ups and downs in our in our libido, 
but that are not these huge drops where you're like falling off a 12,000 foot mountain to sea level (laughs) and then climbing back up again and then going back down. Like, no, these are like, you know, 500 foot hills. Yeah. So I love that about basically um, taking some of those expectations off the table. So, you know, one of the things we do, and we talk about this on the show all the time, but we have a, a date night every week since our very first date. And we only have two rules in the date night. One is that we do something together, which means we're focused on each other. We don't consider sitting there watching a movie, staring at a screen to really be doing something together. So we have to do something together where we're focusing on each other. And at some point in the evening, we should be naked. But there's no expectation of sex. And the thing that I want to point out is one of the things you talked about was making sure that you make it a priority. So we make it a priority by making sure that we keep this date night. It's in the calendar. Every week. <laughs> it's recurring. <laughs> but this, the, the second thing is, is there's no expectation that there has to be sex on date night. Mm-hmm. It's just we need to do something together and connect. And 97 out of 100 times, it turns into sex. <laughs> <laughs> But because there's no pressure where it has to be, if she's not feeling well for whatever reason, or if I'm really stressed out or whatever it is, we don't have to go there. But we touch each other and we make a priority to show up. And it's life. Sometimes you're on top of the mountains and sometimes you're not. But that's part of it. You love each other just as you are and come as you are in always possible. <laughs> Truth be told, I'm like the militia, always ready. <laughs> <laughs> so, Irene, this has been a fascinating conversation. We have, well, we have a very special last question for you. But before mm-hmm. that, let's, um, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find more about you? And I know you had uh, something special to a uh, little freebie that they can get if they want to, to get uh, more information too. Great. Thank you so much. Well, all the resources that I'm going to mention right now are on my website, which is irenefair.com. And one of the things that I touched upon in in our conversation today was the different types of sex that happen in the beginning of the relationship as it gets deeper. And uh, I didn't mention this, but there's a third type that you get to create, that you get to build consciously and intentionally using the tools that we've talked about today. So I recommend that you check out this video um, that's on my website um, that's off of the homepage. And there's also a free three video online training specifically for women on how to want sex again. So this is very much built on my own experience, having lost my libido and then gotten it back and work with hundreds and hundreds of couples where that was the case for women. So I take, I take you through understanding the differences of how women's bodies function and what, what we really need to fill our tanks and to function at the most optimal level. And so that's also going to be in a link that I provide for you. Yes, and we'll put the link in the description below. And ironfair.com is the main website where you can also find all of the different um, different things that she offers from coaching and freebies and, and, and programs that she has. Um, and it's I-R-E-N-E-F-E-H-R.com for those of you listening. But all links will be in the description. So now we have our favorite juicy question to end today's show. Irene, what is your best sexual talent? Oh! Oh! <laughs> wow! That's I'm gonna a great play the Jeopardy music. <laughs> Must be a long list of things to choose from. <laughs> well, um, 
And I think one of my talents is just to be so lost in the moment uh, that just go on a journey with with a partner where we're yeah so lost in our own in our connection and 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 being able to find that in in every moment not just like the moments where everything's perfect everything all the stars lined up but being able to find that that moment of connection in in, in everything that's Wonderful. a great talent to have Fantastic. Thank you so much, Irene, for being our guest today. This was a fantastic conversation. Make sure you go check out her things because she has so much more to offer and uh, seek any support uh, that you need. And um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. It's been a lovely and juicy conversation. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, that's all the time we have for this episode, and we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>